And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. <laughs> your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year. Banner 12 plus 6 here. Carson was top rookie. I'm saying it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum and Hay with a brown. We off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, player. She. Welcome to Anything is Potable. The Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, joined as always by the kid, Jay King, Celtics beat reporter for the Athletic. And we're here on a very sad occasion because Celtics legend Tommy Heinsohn has passed away at the age of 86. He's a guy who's been associated with the Celtics for six decades now, whether as a player, as a coach, or a broadcaster but just an absolute legend and guy who will be forever kind of connected to the organization. And the guy I see is kind of representing kind of the Celtics family. Jay, I guess asking you, what was your initial reaction to the news? And just, yeah. Just crushing because like, like you, like I grew up a Celtics fan. I grew up and Tommy Heinsohn was one of the guys who helped make me fall in love with basketball and fall in love with the Celtics. You know, like, like I love Walter, all, all the catchphrases, all the vitriol he spat about referees. And then I transitioned into a life as a sports writer and got to see him some at games, got to pick his brain sometimes about the memories that he had. And when you, Anytime you got to talk to Tommy about basketball, it was just a treat. And like he just lit up when talking about old memories, when talking about the Celtics. That guy loved Celtics basketball as much as anyone ever has and anyone ever will. And like he could tell you about what Bob Cousy was like as a player, he could tell you what it was like to coach John Havlicek. He could tell you everything about every player. He could reminisce about the time he fought Wilt Chamberlain or the time Bill Russell laid out Jimmy Krebs with a punch. Like <laughs> the stories that he had were just ridiculous. And he he started in the NBA when like they practiced in 
like YMCA gyms and stuff like that. And he had to work extra jobs to make money because the NBA salary wasn't enough. And and he's just been with the NBA basically ever since, been with the Celtics basically ever since. And I think what what kind of made him work as an announcer was the same reason why he stayed around the Celtics the entire time. He just loved it, man. He had an incredible enthusiasm for it. And and you could tell every single time he talked about basketball, every single time he talked about the Celtics, that that guy just lived it. He just lived it. And so today is just a sad, sad day. He was just authentically himself whenever he was on air. And he absolutely loved the Boston Celtics. I like, like obviously there's things that are hilarious about how much he ragged on the refs like and him and Mike Gorman's relationship is special like you just don't have a broadcasting relationship that lasts so long and their ability to kind of play off each other and Gorman to kind of like poke him a little bit knowing that Tommy was going to get excited or just start yelling at the refs it just made watching Celtics basketball so much more fun and he's just had such a personality and it just like came through you knew he was a homer but like I think the the fun part for me as someone who grew up watching him starting with like I love Walter is like getting to see how genuine that was. Like it wasn't really a shtick. It wasn't like him hamming it up for like he was genuinely pissed off at the refs for not giving the Celtics call because he loved the Celtics. And it was wild to just, just like see him he would just walk around the hallways like in the back in the media room and just like would love talking uh, basketball about anyone but like genuinely love the organization and I think the thing that impressed me the most with him kind of being able to get that behind the scenes look was his willingness and just like desire to connect with anyone really associated with the Celtics. Like you would not be surprised to see him talking to Jason Tatum before the game, um, whether it's just about like, I don't know, I was never like eavesdropping on their conversations, but you assume it's like a little bit about basketball, but you just don't expect um like a kind of a connection between like an 80 year old guy and like this new 19 year old like star phenom but you're just looking at the like people on twitter and like just thoughts are pouring in from players from like paul pierce to uh kind of like um more recent guys over the celtics i just like you remember like when players would come back uh like isaiah thomas or even smaller guys like evan turner they would always make a point of going to talk to tommy and just uh kind of reconnecting with him and that just goes to show you that like this guy genuinely loved the Celtics um, and was just like a huge support system for like every player who came through that door. And he was just like, that's that being authentic, being like that much passion uh, is just going to be sadly missed because he's, there's just never going to be anyone quite like him, um, which is wild. Like I, I completely like had this concept of him as being like this great announcer, but then you go back and like, Oh, he was also a Hall of Fame basketball player and Hall of Fame coach. Like, he's not just a guy who yells at the refs. He was just a guy who lived an insane – his resume is wild. He was Rookie of the Year the same year Bill Russell was there. He was was Rookie of the Year. He's been Coach of the Year. He's a six-time All-Star, four-time second-team All-NBA. Like, one of the – the man greatest, could hoop. <laughs> one of the greatest announcing careers of all time. One of my favorite things that he did. And and before I get to that, like watching him and Gorman, it was like like 
like having two extra family members gorman was like the soothing grandfather right like like he would he always had like the calmness to him the but and then tommy was like the crazy uncle so <laughs> so one of the one of my favorite things that that he did that i always got a kick out of was when he disliked the call which was pretty often he would start screaming like like literally trying to react to the call on tv loud enough so that the ref could hear him <laughs> on the court and i i just got the biggest kick out of it like he was still that coach he was still that invested and obviously like he was a homer but he was never apologetic about it like that was of course he's going to be a homer like he was he was drafted by the franchise in 1956. 1956. That's 64 years ago. For more than six decades, he was part of the Celtics organization. Obviously, he's going to be upset about some calls, and he's a little fiery. And and man, like he he brought so much fun. I mean, Tommy points. They think of how many people have given out Tommy points in New England over the last what 30 years that that he's been doing that like that that is something that has become synonymous with hustle and it's just it 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 really is like it's easy to overlook how incredible he was as a player how productive he was as a coach because he's been in his current role for like 39 years i think he was a partner with mike gorman and they just had a special special thing together and it was incredible. And I mean, when you look at Heinsohn's resume, it's a unique, one-of-a-kind resume that literally nobody else on planet Earth can touch. And there have been better players. There have been better coaches. But I'm not sure there's ever been anyone who has been such a key part of an NBA franchise and meant as much to a franchise in different roles as he has. And so that's that's an incredible lane to have. It's an incredible legacy to leave. And like it's it's impossible to think about the Celtics without Tommy Heinsohn. It just it really is. And you look you look at Twitter, like everybody is is reacting to it. You got Paul Pierce tweeting a crying emoji and Evan Turner coming out to say how much he'll miss Tommy and I remember in 2014 one of the one of the cooler things I I got to see as a a Celtics writer was after a game Tommy walked into the locker room he was one of the guys like he had that cachet he could walk anywhere he wanted in in TD Garden and so he walked into the Celtics locker room and just sat there and chatted with Rajon Rondo for a long time and started giving Rondo advice and it was obviously like I think it was Brad Stevens' first year as a coach. So Rondo was having a tough time transitioning from, you know, he was part of great, great teams to being the the lead guy on a bad team. And Tommy told him to just keep plugging away. And of course, because it's Tommy, he told him to push the pace. And <laughs> and always wanting to push the pace, get out and run. Yeah. And and Rondo kind of responded like it's tough when the other team scores every time to push the pace. But but Rondo, like he cherished that relationship with Tommy and he respected Tommy's advice. And you had to 
because Tommy saw everything. And and I think he valued all the right things about basketball. He valued guys who were team players. He valued guys who hustled. He valued guys who played winning a winning brand of basketball. And and that's that's something that that he never stopped. And obviously he tended to overrate some of the Celtics younger <laughs> players as an announcer, but it, he just brought such an energy to it that it was hard not to really love the guy if you paid attention every day. Yeah, I think describing him as family is kind of the perfect way to do it because he was there when you get introduced to the game. Like he is the voice that I will kind of think of. Um, and uh, yeah, he's a little bit exuberant, a little bit out there. Sure, maybe um, Greg Stiesma is not going to turn into the next Bill Russell, um, but like that's our guy. Like he's going to be riding with us in the foxhole. Like he's like every single time I'm just like remember him with the Isaiah Thomas run. Every time you throw out the little guy, like yeah. that was just an exciting moment. Um, and yeah, his uh, like he was screaming at the refs just as I was screaming at the refs. And he was like overvaluing Celtics players just as everyone else was because he truly cared. And he's just uh, an absolute legend who's kind of just defined uh, what it's meant to be a Celtics fan pretty much for all Celtics fans. Like he's been there from the beginning and now like, and if you've grown up watching the Celtics whatsoever, um, he's going to be kind of impactful part of your life. He's, and he's just like endlessly entertaining and endlessly genuine and, you can't you just like have to appreciate someone like that. I'm seeing Mike Gorman's tweet right now. Yeah, roughly, that, that made me cry, man. Yeah, I'll read it for the the listeners out there. Roughly 2800 times I sat down with Tommy to broadcast a game. Every time it was special. Hall of Fame player, Hall of Fame coach, Hall of Fame partner. Celtics Nation has lost its finest voice. Rest in peace, my friend. It has been the privilege of my professional life to be the Mike in Mike and Tommy. And it's just fitting for Mike Gorman to be able to put it in uh, so poetic words, but it's 2,800 games broadcast together is just absolutely Insane. wild. And just the, the dynamic those two had, uh, I mean, it's, it's a sad, sad day for, uh, for Celtics fans and for kind of the entire Celtics organization and community. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, just, I mean, he touched... He literally touched seven decades of Celtics basketball. That's that's impossible to even think about. Like the the NBA barely existed when the Celtics drafted him. And in part it succeeded because the Celtics became as legendary as they did. And I asked him, I got 
this May, I was doing a Celtics alumni player poll, basically just calling as, as many former players as I could and trying to ask them a bunch of questions about the franchise. And I remember asking him, like, what was your favorite moment as a Celtics player? And obviously he had a ton of incredible moments. He won eight eight championships, but he said the first one because he remembered that the owner of the team, I think it was Walter Brown at that point, he said he had gone so far to save Celtics basketball that he mortgaged his house. Like, like that's the type of stuff Tommy remembered, and and that's how the NBA was back when he first joined the Celtics. And I remember <laughs> I, I asked him that day. Um, also, like, he told me on the, the first day of the playoffs, uh, <laughs> Frank Ramsey, he, he called him Mr. Dollar Sign. But the day after the season ended, um, he said he Frank Ramsey would go to the blackboard. He'd grab the chalk and he'd put on the blackboard everybody's shares if they won the title. And that that was how the Celtics motivated themselves to to win championships back then, or one of the ways they motivated <laughs> themselves to win championships back then. Because it was like it was like they were clawing for for a little extra cash in days when when cash could be tough even for NBA players. So the uh, the amount of like different things he's experienced is outrageous. Um it's just really really incredible. And and I I sat with him when the Celtics opened their new practice facility. I sat with him on the side of the court and he just marveled at it and he's like man imagine we we used to have to wait they used to have to wait for little kids to get off the court so that they could hold practice, like little students or whatever in their YMCA class or whatever it was. And they would not share the court, I don't think, with those guys. But <laughs> So it's it's just crazy. And he remembered all that stuff. And his memory was insane. I mean, just he he was sharp as hell and... That's great, story, great storyteller too. Like could really spin a tale. And that's the thing. It's kind of wild is that he's what started doing games in like the early eighties for the Celtics. I mean, towards the end there, he stopped traveling as much uh, on going on road games for his health and things like that. But when he was back in the booth with Mike on home games, he was still the great Tommy Heinsohn. He was still like, didn't lose his fastball. He still like was able to, provide great commentary on the game. He's still screaming at the refs. Like he was uh, unapologetically him. I mean, just so many like hilarious moments uh, of him just being genuinely rooting for the Celtics and always kinding them to run, always telling them to get like better effort on defense, stop falling in love with a three point shot. Uh, He was uh, just uh, like absolutely just great all the way until the end. And so it's, Man, he's just an absolute just titan. It's, it's, I just um, I'm out of ways to describe how amazing kind of and the impact he had on on the Celtics. Do you have any like favorite memories growing up of uh, broadcast moments from Tommy? Uh, I can remember one of my first memories actually is 
like my parents had a some sort of dinner party and they just stuffed it wasn't like a real party but it was them and a, a couple they were friends with and they stuffed me my brother and uh the couple's son basically just put us in a room and threw on the Celtics game because they knew we were big basketball fans and I think it was like Xavier McDaniel or something <laughs> playing and and honestly like like those were the moments that helped me fall in love with basketball it was Mike and Tommy and they were so good and they were so enthusiastic that even about a shitty shitty team like that Celtics era was when the Celtics started to turn bad when they started to miss the playoffs and like it was it was a dark dark era but but those guys never wavered and that I think that's a big part of the reason why the Celtics remained as Celtics fans remained as loyal as they were during those times because even during the shitty times like you could count on those guys to call an incredible game and and treat even the shittiest games like they were playoff appearances like remember when Milt Palacio what did he steal the ball <laughs> and hit a game winner and they just went nuts and and Tommy would go wild and I think he called a miracle Milt and <laughs> it was like stuff like that when you're a kid and you're falling in love with basketball that energy that enthusiasm it matters it it wraps you up it like it gives you more reason to love the game if somebody like that who's experienced so much basketball can still love it like that and still love even the shittiest Celtics teams <laughs> like that and grab hold of those moments and I mean, you talk about the Walter McCarty stuff. A lot of that stuff when he was saying, I love Walter, was when the Celtics sucked. And Walter McCarty was like a a role player on some pretty bad Celtics teams. And Tommy still had all that enthusiasm, all that brightness, all that light. And like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I came to like watching the Celtics in the I love Walter era. And I like don't remember much about the actual games i know they weren't a, the the greatest team but i remember i got excited every time uh i got to yell with tommy i love walter and it just made like like that made part of like watching the game fun and it's just he's always brought it kind of brought that exuberance uh and that personality to it where he's just he ride and die with a team um, I'm just thinking you mentioned Milt Palacio and for some reason the thought in my head, remember when Ricky Davis tried to do like a, a 360 or something or through the legs and he yeah. missed it and just then he eventually got the bucket, but just how disgusted Tommy Heinsohn was with him. That was an absolutely great moment. Just like it's because like doing a showboating dunk uh, instead of just laying the ball off the glass would be a great offense to uh, Tommy Heinsohn's character. But some guys would be just like, would just take one for the company and say and not criticize, but no, Tommy Hudson was going to let you know he thought that was a bullshit play, and he was going to immediately uh, set it on the broadcast. And he went nuts about it. He went so nuts that when I asked him questions for the Celtics player poll, I actually brought that up, and I'll, I'll either I might have tweeted out his response to it, but basically, 
20 years later or whatever it was. He, he still said, was a bullshit. <laughs> he, he was like, yeah, Ricky, something like Ricky, Ricky always wanted to be a showman rather than a player or something like that. And it was just the vitriol he had for guys who didn't respect basketball and respect winning basketball and do things that that result led to winning basketball like all that stuff i think on the opposite side of that is like the tommy point is like a cool thing that i don't know if it's like i don't know i haven't watched that many broadcasts around the league but just like rewarding the player like players who hustle maybe the guys who aren't going to stand out in the um scorebook but i think that's just like a cool thing it's it's something that i associate with the celtics and maybe it's like a kind of just over romanticizing Boston sports fandom, but I feel like it's like a thing that a lot of like Boston area sports fans will, will appreciate the guys who hustle more. Like it's the same thing with the Red Sox and Trot Nixon and the Dirt Dogs. It's like it just fit in with the kind of the personality of Boston sports and like that becoming a, a segment and Tommy points. I'm trying to think of like the earliest player I remember just being like a, a Tommy point all star. Um, but I don't know. I feel like Eric Williams got a lot of Tommy Eric points. Eric Williams <laughs> definitely got some Tommy points back in his day. And and yeah, and and I do think announcing teams help shape how fans view the game of basketball. And and I think because of that, when you talk to guys around the league, players, coaches, whatever, like Boston fans are typically viewed as more knowledgeable than a lot of fans and I think Part of that is because Tommy Heinsohn appreciated like what actually helped teams versus, you know, the the scoring and dunking and all that stuff that that typically led to highlights. Like he was all about someone who could cut and someone who could who would run the floor and and, you know, that all that stuff. Like he really, really appreciated guys who would hustle and get floor burns and and do all that stuff. And I think that bleeds into the fan base and kind of creates a an environment where uh, an entire fan base can fall in love with Marcus Smart the way they have. I think even, Kelly even Olynyk is a really flawed player. I think Kelly Olynyk's entire or not uh, a really flawed player, but even <laughs> though he, even though he can't still can't really shoot too well. But like Kelly Olynyk's like entire not entire thing but i feel like he made a lot of smart passes and things like that and uh and like put a lot of effort in and tommy appreciated that i'm trying to think of other guys just like we're tommy guys avery bradley is someone who sticks out just because it was like dogged defense guys who just would always put in the effort you could tell when tommy had a kind of an an extra appreciation for them clearly marcus smart is uh is one of those guys um aaron baines uh was another one of the guys i mean just the audacity to say uh he saw Aaron Baines in the and it was as big as all of Australia is absolutely hilarious. Tommy would let it fly, and that's like one of the things that is the most fun about him. I would love to see um, just interviews with like all the referees who've come in and been berated by Tommy uh, over the years. I feel like they've got um, abused uh, pretty pretty much the entire like their entire times coming through Boston, but it's like. I don't know. They would they would have to respect what Tommy did. He's just he just made things fun and made like and just brought joy to so many people that even the referees, I would assume, it, it just grew for some begrudging respect at this point of just how much this guy loved the game and loved the Boston Celtics. Yeah, and I think probably one thing that gets really overlooked about his career is is how he how he kind of was an innovative coach. Um like 
those years they played Dave Cowens, who was like six foot eight at center and just kind of they were like the first to downsize and if i remember correctly like those teams that tommy coached had an outrageous pace and like unsurprisingly so yeah because obviously he loved pace but for those times they really really played fast and and kind of utilized the skill of cowens who wasn't as 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 tall or as strong as a lot of the centers he played or he was very strong but he wasn't as tall as a lot of the centers he played against but but they utilized what what they could do and and so i i think tommy was probably a a much better coach and a, and a more impactful coach than than a lot of people realize because you know you you think a lot of him as a player a lot of him as a, a broadcaster and like that guy led the Celtics to two championships after Russell was gone and after a lot of Hall of Fame players had moved on. And so, and he did it, like like I said, by kind of leaning into a, a strategy that, that not every team used back then. Yeah, this is something that just popped across my timeline that I had forgotten, but it kind of goes to speak to the character of Tommy Heitzen. Uh, back in the 60s, there wasn't an NBA Players Association. And the during the All-Star game, they were trying to establish one, and the owners basically refused to recognize it. And the All-Stars, which Tommy Heinsohn was one of them, basically said, we're going on strike unless you recognize the NBA Players Association. And if you like read about the stories of that time, Tommy Heinsohn was a major leader of kind of those players and, and kind of do that and just kind of goes to show you his character about trying to care for everyone else in the league. And um, he's just a guy who's had a major impact on and off the court um, for six decades now. It's, it's kind of wild to kind of, to think about he's, he's a part of the reason the players association exists. And then kind of his, you talk about his innovations as a coach and then just his legendary run as a broadcaster is just uh, in awe as the more like just stories that are coming across uh, the timeline right now, just like the things you kind of heard about once, but now it's kind of an opportunity to really appreciate. Um, it's going to be a kind of bittersweet to read and kind of learn all, relearn all these stories about a, uh, a great guy who had such a big impact. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the most impactful people in NBA history. That's, that's the short of it. Like he's, he's unique his place like i said nobody will ever match and and everything he's provided to the celtics everything he's provided to new england basketball it's just crazy he told me he made 11 million dollars or 11 11 thousand dollars rather during his first year with the celtics eleven thousand dollars that's wild isn't that crazy like but that's that's where the league was back then and he's ridden with the league from there through the Russell years, through the Bird years, through the Magic years, through the Michael years, through everything else. He's he's seen everything. And that's why, like, if you spoke to him and he, he would tell you that Bill Russell is the greatest player ever. And he might be one of the few guys who say it this day, but like, Tommy's Tommy's opinion matters. Tommy's been there, and obviously he's a little biased on that one. He played with Russell, but but the guy was there, and the guy saw Russell, and the guy saw a lot of other great players, and 
he saw every great player basically he got he just he experienced it all he experienced it all and remained just kind of a great jovial guy throughout always inviting to talk to always kind of looking for other players to connect with and he's definitely part of the Celtics family and uh he's going to be missed and so uh we just wanted to take some time to show our appreciation um for the legend Tommy Heinsohn um uh, we'll be back later uh, in the week to kind of get back to basketball but we couldn't neither of us two guys who kind of started their basket love of basketball with Tommy Heinsohn we couldn't um not give him the proper appreciation and so um condolences to his family and his friends and uh, hope he rests in peace and, and just wanted to thank him for all he's done for the game. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.